Holy Spirit of Jesus, please help us to listen to the instruction we've heard read today and we'll hear again later from God's word. We are reminded that St. Paul said in Romans, whatever was written in former days was for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Dear God, we all need a dose of hope right now. And we need clear direction as we move forward in that hope. Help us to listen and obey. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. You may be seated. Father Ben's prayer a while ago at the collect was a good sermon. So thank you, y'all. Here we are, first Sunday in Lent, 2021. And I know that you and I pray that we're on the downhill side of the effects of COVID-19 and the other events of 2020. And we do now and should continue to recognize God's presence with us during these trying times. And as we continue to pray for an end to this pandemic and for God's intervention in our political and social struggles, we realize now that we are more dependent on him than ever before. And therefore, this season in Lent, the season of Lent, is a time for us to draw ever closer to God, draw closer to him through the life and examples of Jesus Christ. We experience this penitential period through the lens of knowing that the resurrection is coming. We're looking forward to that day that we celebrate the resurrection again, Easter morning. As Tony Campola once said, it may be Friday, but Sunday's coming. Oops, I almost said hallelujah. Well, let me set the stage by saying that Lent is not so much about giving up. I'm suggesting that we should approach this season with a mindset of not giving in. Well, there's nothing wrong with uh, giving things up in Lent. I've determined to give up some things myself, namely eating Brussels sprouts and imported Russian caviar. Let's take a look at the gospel today. Mark records the temptation of Jesus in a very succinct way with bare bones approach to the facts of Jesus' temptation immediately following his baptism. Now, Matthew and Luke, on the other hand, offer more detailed and descriptive accounts of this last preparatory event before Jesus began his public ministry. Let's look at the passage from Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. If you have your Bibles with you, you may choose to follow along with me as I read. Or if you don't, it's page 859 in the Pew Bible. Luke 4, verses 1 through 13, page 859. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, 
returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority in their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. I think that here a basic temp, uh, discussion of temptation is appropriate. Maybe first we should distinguish between temptation and testing. James 1 verse 13 it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God does not tempt us. The devil does. It makes no sense for God to want to tempt us. Sin is adverse and hostile to his very nature. Lead us not into temptation, we pray, but deliver us from evil. The apostle James declared that God does not tempt us. Only the devil entices us to rebel against God. Why even pray, lead us not into temptation, if God does not tempt? It can seem confusing, I'm sure. The confusion can be settled by understanding that the Bible teaches that there is a difference between temptation, which is of the devil, the flesh, and the world, and testing, which is of God. Now, my southern pronunciations of Hebrew and Greek here are probably not real good, but the Hebrew word, nasa, and the Greek word, periozo, both carry a broad range of meaning that allows them to be translated as either temptation or testing in the Bible. In the first instance, the word implies enticement to do evil, while in the second the connotation is an event or process that proves one's character or determines the depth of integrity of one's commitment to God. We thank uh, Dr. James Eford of Duke University for that explanation. Abraham was tested when God sent him to sacrifice Isaac. Jesus was tempted when the devil tried to lure him into sin and into subverting God the Father's plan. 
So how may we define temptation in our Christian life? Temptation may be defined as the intentional enticement of a person, usually using something that the evil one knows is a weakness of that individual, possibly pride, self-gratification, disobedience to biblical mandates. Temptation is an attempt to subvert God's word, the distorted presentation of God's creation, especially mankind, and the concerted effort on the devil's part to destroy God's plan of salvation and mission for the world. Temptation is as old as the Garden of Eden. You know the story how Adam and Eve succumbed to the lies of the serpent, lies which caused sin and death for all mankind. James 1.14 explains that we are tempted when we become enticed by our own natural desires. Now, the temptation to sin is a given, so don't be surprised by it. Expect to be tempted daily. Be prepared for it. The Apostle Peter reminds us to stay on the lookout on 1 Peter 5, 8. He said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Remember what we read earlier in Luke? Jesus, the second Adam, was tempted by the devil. The devil tempted Jesus in much the same way that we will be tempted. The devil tempted Jesus' hunger when he commanded him to make bread from the stones. Now, the temptation to make bread from rocks represents lust of the flesh. This type of temptation may come in the form of sexual desires, pornography, obsession with personal appearance, pride of possessions, food obsession, and so on. Next, let's look at the temptation of power. When the devil enticed Jesus to leap from the temple, he was appealing to his sense of power. The devil knew that Jesus was able to save himself. However, Jesus was determined to follow the Father's will. He would not give in to appropriating power that was sinful, selfish, and destructive. Think about this. What are some of the examples of the abuse of power that you see in the world and in our Christian life or in the church today? Are you tempted to use your presumed superior position to demand compliance to your wishes? Maybe as a parent, spouse, teacher, friend, politician, religious leader, or business colleague? What are our motives in our relationships and activities within our sphere of influence? Kingdoms of the world. When the devil tempted Jesus with the possibilities of glory and authority over all the kingdoms of the world, he was appealing to greed, desire for wealth, popularity, and prestige. Are we tempted to misrepresent facts so to as to gain approval? Are we tempted to pursue activities which will allow us to be popular with our peers, often 
at the expense of others? Are we tempted to meet, mistreat others in order to gain the wealth necessary to acquire better automobiles, homes, extravagant vacations, positions of authority, etc.? Just as Jesus was tempted in these things, likewise we will be tempted. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, Therefore let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And continuing into verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Listen, please listen. Thanks be to God, we don't have to walk in the realm of fear and dread of temptation. Neither do we have to be consumed with concern that we might fall. There is a way out. We have an escape clause. When we face temptation, we need to rely on God, and not on our own self-sufficiency. He provides a way for us to escape the traps of temptation and to continue in the way of righteousness. Where Adam and Eve failed in the garden, Jesus triumphed, he overcame. And the victory in the wilderness by Jesus is a sign of the reversal of the fall of mankind. Christ, in his humanity, overcame the temptation by Satan and became our victory as believers. We have victory in Christ Jesus. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 18, says about Jesus, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. In 2 Peter 2, it says, The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. And continuing to quote, we don't have too much farther to go till we quote the whole Bible. 1 John 4, 4 said, For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And James 1, verses 2 through 4 and verse 12 said, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Now that we understand that we will be tempted, how do we handle temptation? The first step toward overcoming temptation is to recognize our human tendency to be seduced by our own fleshly cravings. See it. Recognize it. Then we are to admit our weaknesses and remind ourselves of those things which tempt us to veer from the righteous path that God desires for us to walk in. We handle it the way Jesus did. He quoted scripture to the devil. Appropriate for yourself the above scriptures we quoted as well as others. Read, learn, mark, and inwardly digest them. They are for each of us our fail-safe antidote. It is our escape clause. In the most practical sense, 
we are to avoid those things which we know tempt us to engage in spiritual misconduct. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And we read in Ephesians 6, verses 10, 11, and 16. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, there's only a couple of us here who remember this TV show. I'm one of them. Some of you never even heard of it. But if you want to see it, you can go to MeTV and watch reruns of Hee Haw. On the TV show Hee Haw, the doctor, the character, Doc Campbell, is confronted by a patient who says he broke his arm in two places. Well, Doc Campbell replied, well, then stay out of them places. (laughs) He may have something there. We cannot regularly put ourselves in the face of temptation and not be affected. Stay out of them places. When faced with the problem of temptation, we need to take the good doctor's advice. And there are some practical ways we can develop a plan for facing temptation head on. First, consider that when you come face to face with temptation, look for that way out, the way of escape, the way that God has promised Here's another entry for the Southern Orthodox Dictionary. Skedaddle. Flee. Run as fast as you can from that face of that temptation. Next, we must strengthen our inner person by giving up our entire being to the sanctifying power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. See, the reality is that we will be delivered from temptation by faith Christ, delivered by faith in Christ, his life lived and his death for our sins. Thirdly, we must continue to rely on the means of grace, which is found in continued attendance to prayer, word, and sacrament. Next, if you're reading the Bible regularly, you will have the full counsel of God at your disposal. You will start to have the mind of Christ. When temptation comes knocking on your door, all you have to do is draw your weapon, aim, and fire. Fifthly, let us refocus mind and heart with praise to God. Refocus our mind and heart with praise. Praising God takes our focus off ourselves and puts it on God. And you may not be strong enough to resist temptation on your own. But as you focus on God, he will inhabit your praises. He will give you the strength to resist and walk away from temptation. And lastly in my litany here, include in your plan for resisting temptation a fellow Christian. Develop a relationship with a spiritual friend whom you can call on whenever you face temptations. What do we do when we give in or fall? We will give in 
we will sin, we will fail. Well, we recognize our sins. God wants us to recognize our sins so that the Holy Spirit can lead us to the Savior who died and rose again for our sins. No matter how horrendous our sin is, God will forgive us when we genuinely repent. Admit our sins and confess them. The Holy Spirit will prompt us when we sin. We must be willing to listen and react and confess our sins. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession renews our fellowship with Christ. If we want to have a relationship with God, we must stand before God in openness and light. This light shines on our own inadequacies and weaknesses. Oftentimes it may be that what the light reveals is too much for us to handle on our own. However, we have Jesus. We have Jesus to help us withstand what the light shows. 1 John 2, 1 says, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Walking in the light doesn't mean that we're perfect people. It means that we know that we're sinners. We are not lost causes. We may be sinners, but we're not lost causes. If we are penitent, that is, if we genuinely repent of our sins, God will forgive us. When we recognize that we are sinners and that we need forgiveness, we will be restored to fellowship with God. And when do we repent? Repent quickly when we fall. Repentance is not feeling miserable over our sins or regretting that we haven't been more religious. Repent, metanoia, is to turn our minds Godward, a 180-degree swing around from kingdoms of our own making and desires. Knowing that at times you will fail should help you to repent quickly when you do. Failing is not the end of the world, but it is dangerous to persist in that fall or in that sin. The book of James, one, uh, chapter 1, verse 15 says that sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So continuing or persisting in sin, not repenting, leads to spiritual death and often even physical death. That's why it's best to repent quickly when you know you've fallen into sin. So in these times of temptation, how can we be sustained? We are sustained by our faith in Christ. Faith in Christ is our foundation during times of temptation and sin. The best recourse for temptation is to be delivered from it by faith in Christ. Faith is not merely a passive clinging to our justification, which is a one-time event, but rather a militant faith that actively seeks sanctification. 
becoming more like Christ. Each of us has been tempted and failed, like Peter, or tempted and trapped like David, and so many others. God's grace and love covers a multitude of sins. Jesus Christ loves you, regardless of the sin. He lived the life you can never live. He died the death that should have been ours. And he offers eternal life and abundant life for all who turn to him. This is the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is in itself the best defense against the power of temptation. Say it back to the devil when he entices you. In the spirit of following Father Ben's admonition in his Ash Wednesday sermon to fast from fear, fury, and foolishness, let me say that we should not live in fear of temptation. It's going to happen if you're a Christian. Then if you fail or give in to temptation, don't be furious or distraught. Repent. Seek forgiveness and receive the absolution from God made available to us because of the life and death and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Repent, seek forgiveness, and receive absolution. Now, the only thing that would be foolish about this is about temptation is that you would succumb to it and then decline the grace of God, which is so freely offered. It is yours for the asking. The grace of God. So don't succumb to temptation. So as we continue our journey toward the cross in Lent, I quote the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 12 who said, Let us be looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There we will find hope in our time of temptation. We will find hope in the cross of Christ. I close with a reminder of Father Ben's and the Council of Advice's theme for Christ Church this year. Scripture Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Please apply this as you are tempted. Apply this as you seek a deeper walk with Jesus, especially during this Lenten season. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.